2: There's nothing to fear. It's just me, your old pal, Phantom Troublemaker, and I'm here to welcome you to 31 Days of Halloween on the Needless Things Podcast. That's right. For the entire month of October, we'll be celebrating everything kooky, spooky, and weird, building up to the greatest holiday of them all, October 31st, Halloween. Today's episode is a tribute to the life and works of Wes Craven. I assembled the finest of the Needless Things Irregulars. That's right. Everybody on the episode today is a contributor to the Needless Things website at needlessthingssite.com where you can find entertaining articles five days a week. It's all original content. We don't do any stories of this celebrity said they'd like to be in this movie. That's not a story. That's not an article. No, no. Everything we do is all new original stuff, full articles, at least five days a week, sometimes more than once a day. This month you will find more content on Needless Things than you ever have before and the Needless Things podcast finds its home at needlessthingssite.com as well as on iTunes and Stitcher and please please go rate the podcast apparently that's an important thing to do uh, it gets more it gets higher up in the rankings and more people can see it or so I don't know how that stuff works you you know I'm not a, a technical I don't know how the internet works I put this podcast up every week by the seat of my pants. And sometimes, like this week, uh, I don't quite make it. It is now nine minutes past the witching hour on October 3rd. And I just didn't quite get it up on Friday like I normally do because this week has just been really busy. Next week is going to be even worse, but hopefully I'll have a little better handle on things and I'll be able to get the recording done. We'll see. Next week is a really good episode that I've actually been excited about for several months now. But this week, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a bummer. Wes Craven passed away on August 30th and I, I held off doing an episode because I knew I wanted it to be, wouldn't, wanted it to be part of the 31 days of Halloween. Uh, and, and I wanted to have very specific people on and, and we managed to, at sort of the last minute, get everybody together, find a time to record. And do it. And I, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I was a little off on this one. Uh, I was, I was kind of bummed at the subject matter. I would much rather have been dis- celebrating, uh, Wes Craven's life with him still in it. But it, it is, especially over the course of the conversation as we really uncover or, or really focus on the impact that he had on Hollywood and on movies it's powerful man I didn't necessarily consciously realize it going into this episode but has happened sometimes having the other points of view three other points of view and we all kind of came together and owned in on this thing and he really is like no other so I think you're really going to enjoy listening to this one I know we had as good a time as you can have in a memorial type situation but Tune in the rest of the month. We will have four more episodes, because October gives us five Fridays, and four of them I have planned, one of them I still don't know exactly what we're doing, but... I'm going to figure it out. I guarantee you it's going to be something good that you guys are going to enjoy. On to a bit of business. Now, I already mentioned that you can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and at needlessthingssite.com, as well as at esopodcast.com, because we are a proud part of the ESO network. But uh, we recently did a promotional thing, and I don't want to say too much about it yet, because it doesn't you know I don't know for sure that it's gone sour but it might have gone sour Uh, if you're a listener you know what I'm talking about and if you entered any contests recently on needless things I want you to know that I'm working on it Uh, but it appears that for one reason or another I may have been left out in the cold I don't know what happened uh, of course, my brain, being the way that it is, is telling me, well, they just feel like you're small potatoes and they don't have to worry about any commitments to you, which is a shitty way to feel, but, you know, that, that's, uh, that's what happens. You know, this is a tough world and there's, there are a lot of voices out there, so I can't, can't no, no room for bitterness just have to keep moving on and knowing that there are good things in the future which there absolutely are because I control my destiny I control the destiny of this podcast of all the things I'm involved with because I made a pledge to myself that that's how I roll from here on out is I run the show or I'm not part of the show boy that got serious at the end there's no need for that so let's get silly you're ready to get a little silly because it's time for the return of the musical segment. Do you guys remember those yellow Walkmans? And I'm not talking about Discmans. I'm talking about Walkmans that played cassette tapes, those yellow sport ones that were waterproof. Well, I had one of those and I went a couple of years, probably when I was 11 or 12, right around there, maybe a little bit younger. Uh, 11, 12, 13, I'll say 13 because I know 1989, 1990 was a big year for that thing because one of the last entries into my mixtape that I would that I would make, I would make mixtapes, I put songs together on cassettes, uh, one of the last ones was Turtle Power from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle soundtrack, and that came out in 1990, so I was 14 then, uh, but I know I'd been making the mixtapes prior to that. And also, on the hip-hop tip, if you will, is a track from the Fat Boys. Now, if you don't remember the Fat Boys, then you might not have been around in the late 80s, early 90s. But they had extremely uh, (laughs) Wipeout, uh, which featured a sample from the surf song Wipeout with uh, the Fat Boys rapping over it. Uh, Things like that were part of their repertoire but the big one for me was a little song called are you ready for freddy now everyone knows nightmare on my street by dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince better known as uh, will smith but that really never did it for me no no the one i liked the one that actually featured freddy krueger robert england Doing a rap was Are You Ready for Freddy by the Fat Boys, and it's licensed. I know I shouldn't be playing it on the show, and if I get a cease and desist, I'm going to have to come back in, re-record a portion of this, and take this song out, but because it's 31 Days of Halloween, and because I love you guys, I am going to play some of Are You Ready for Freddy right now, because it is one of my all-time favorite songs. So enjoy it if you are hearing. Are you ready for Freddie? And if not, well, you'll never know any better. It'll be uh, something else. Maybe I'll throw in some generic Drew's party music. Oh wait, I already did that. Anyway, please enjoy the Fat Boys because goodness knows I do. <laughs>
3: The name. You know my game Elm
2: Street's the place, you got the time Listen to this, you'll bust the rhyme Fred Kruger's a myth, but Fred Kruger's the man It doesn't matter cause I'm still rapping about him the So sit back, chat, I'm gonna bust the vibe, Grab a hole in your face, it's Kruger time It's time for Fred See, I'm a popular guy If you don't know yet welcome to another episode of the needless things podcast and it is time for our 31 days of halloween coverage this is the first episode of several that we'll be doing in the month of october focusing on all things spooky creepy and scary to celebrate halloween unfortunately Uh, We have a reason for doing this episode. I've been holding off on this one. Wes Craven uh, passed away August 30th of this year, and he demands uh, discussion, but I wanted to wait for the appropriate time, which I think is now, and I wanted to also wait for the appropriate people. We've got Beth, who has not been on in a little while. How are you doing tonight?
3: I'm recovering from bronchitis, so I'll do my best to to hang in there and be as entertaining as possible.
2: Is that leftover from Dragon Con or is that unrelated?
3: I, I, I don't know. It could be late stage con crud. It's entirely
2: possible because I've got a lingering something or other that's been going on. I'm, I'm like, I'm okay, but every once in a while I'll be like, hey, there's, there's something wrong slightly, but it's not enough. You've a lot more
3: than me at Dragon Con though.
2: Yeah. You can't avoid handshakes and I don't do fist bumps. So. <laughs> there's just nothing but trouble there uh also returning to the show and, and you haven't been on in a good long while sir uh mr rt yule how are you doing
1: doing great phantom yeah it was uh, this time last year i think was the last time i was on
2: here you are again welcome back oh yeah thanks and this is one i would not have done without you oh thanks man and uh finally first time on the show and first of all, let me congratulate you, sir, for being one half of the new PCW tag team season champions. Mr. Devlin Valek, uh, who I probably just mangled your name because I don't know. No, you, you did work MCW a couple of times, I did. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've announced you before. It's just been a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's uh Valak.
2: Valak. See. And that yeah. sounds so much better.
0: Yeah. I don't know got what I'm thinking. John Carpenter's Vampires is where I got that one.
2: Well, nice. Um and another thing that's special about this episode is you guys are all actually contributors to the site. You all write for the site on a uh, varying degree of regularity, but you you are all actual like needless things family. So, that's another very cool thing about this episode. This is the first time it's it's been all contributors and I I'm glad that kind of last minute we could get everybody together to talk about Wes Craven. So thanks for being on, you guys. I want to start off with how each of you, and, and personally, I don't know that I really remember what my first Wes Craven experience was. I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, but I'm not positive, uh, but I want to to go over with each of you guys your first sort of West Craven memory. And, and even if it's not for sure the first time you saw him, the first time you were sort of conscious of, oh, this is a, this is a West Craven joint. Uh, let's start with Richard. What, what do you, what's your earliest Craven memory? Well, actually it's uh,
1: it's also my first horror memory. Cause as far as I can remember, Nightmare on Elm Street part three was the first horror movie I ever saw. Um, so I, I, my brother is ten years older than I am, and so he was, if I remember correctly, he was babysitting me or watching me or whatever, and uh, he was watching it. And I know I wasn't supposed to be, but um, <laughs> that, that is that is the one that I uh, remember first, and it scared the crap
2: out of me. That's <laughs> awesome. So you you had the older brother that was kind of like your your guide to the cool stuff,
1: sort of. He but he didn't. He didn't really like horror. I mean, he didn't watch horror as much, but he was my guide to like uh, Top Gun, Ferris Bueller, and Michael Jackson, and you know, stuff like that, sure, but sure.
2: but uh Well, but and the 10-year yeah. the 10-year gap is kind of a big one too. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh Beth, what about you?
3: I'm pretty sure I saw Swamp Thing first, uh which wasn't scary, but it was pretty funny because I, I, I think I was super fascinated by Adrian Barbeau's hair when I was a little kid.
2: Her hair, huh? That's not what I was fascinated by. <laughs> uh,
3: hey, I was a little kid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was a little kid too. And also that movie was scary. I,
3: I, I wasn't was... scared by it, but I also had terrible, terrible parents.
2: Well, you're much braver than I am too. <laughs>
3: um, the first thing I remember seeing and recognizing. The name Wes Craven though was probably the first nightmare on Elm Street because I know I saw it pretty close to when it came out because again, my parents were terrible, terrible people and decided <laughs> to allow me to scar myself for life rather than, you know, take the time to do it themselves. But you know, they were high, so they were lazy and you know, they get away with it. But I remember it scared the crap out of me, just the core concept of it. A, I was 10, and B, you know, you can get away from pretty much any killer if you can just manage to run without falling down, but how do you not go to sleep? That's messed up.
2: Right. And uh, Devlin, what about you?
0: Uh, it's kind of a blur, but uh, I'm pretty sure I saw a swamp thing in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street at a relatively close time. Uh, I, I used to go to the video store and just beg my mom to rent horror movies for me. And, of course, you know, she wouldn't rent me R rated movies. So eventually I came to an age where she was just like, here you go. Just do it. And it was awesome. Not so much Swamp Thing, but Nightmare on Elm Street was <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> See, I loved, I, and, and you know, now that you guys mentioned Swamp Thing, I think, and I don't often associate that with Wes Craven. And I mean, you know, in my brain, I know that he directed it, but it's not, you know, it's it's not as much part of his body of work or has a yeah. signature on it quite as much as other things do. But now that you guys mention that, I really do think that's probably the first thing that I saw because uh, we had HBO uh, a couple years after moving to Georgia, and it was Flash Gordon and Swamp Thing and a couple other movies that were on just constantly because there just weren't as many movies back then. Yeah. And I... Swamp Thing scared the crap out of me. Not, uh, not the first maybe two thirds of the movie, but when Arcane turned into that Jake weird, monster. yeah, weird yellowish turd beast, that freaked me out. And then when the, the, uh, I don't want to say midget cause that's not right. When the little, <laughs> when the little person, when the, when he changed the little person and he jumps up on the table and runs like, ah, that freaked me out, man. I couldn't handle that shit for years. Uh yeah,
0: I, I liked it a lot when it when I first saw it, but uh, you know, later on I actually read the Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing and I oh, was yeah. like, what <laughs>
2: Yeah, 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 I for sure. Say, <laughs> well and what's funny is you look back at you know, that first Swamp Thing movie and it is it's a little campy and it's a little silly, but then you look at Swamp Thing returns and it's just a ridiculous comedy but that's not west craven so we're not here to talk about that one so we we kind of all came to west craven around the same time it sounds like uh probably you know early uh b- before we should have been watching west craven i guess is the point and i think that's what makes a good horror fan is is coming into that stuff early uh, we i kind of want to go a little bit in chronological order on his work, but I do want to talk about the order that we saw stuff. You know, Swamp Thing and A Nightmare on Elm Street are, are kind of all of our entry points, but Last House on the Left uh, with Sean Cunningham, who did the Friday the 13th mm-hmm. uh, series, or at least the first one, uh, was Wes Craven's first movie, and I didn't see that for years. Uh, initially, because it seemed like it didn't have anything supernatural in it. Because when I was younger, all I really cared about was supernatural horror. If it didn't have some kind of boogeyman, then I really wasn't all that interested. Like, people horror didn't start to interest me until later on. So Last House on the Left just didn't sound that interesting to me. And then later, when I kind of became more aware of what it was about, I was like, well, that sounds fucking awful. I don't want to watch that. Why would anybody watch that? But you get to the point where... With a filmmaker where you're like, well, I want to see everything they've done. Uh, I, you know, regardless of what it's about, I, I need to check it out. Now granted, uh, this has not led me to watch, what is it, where the heart, where the heart is at, whatever his romantic comedy or romantic oh. drama he did, where the heart rests, I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, but. music
3: of
0: the heart. Music
2: of the heart, thank you. Uh,
0: sorry, I, uh, I know that.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> that's valuable. That's why you're here, sir. Cool. To, uh, to, to help me out with things I don't know. Um, so yeah, I haven't gone that far yet, but eventually I watched Last House on the Left and it was as horrifying as I thought it would be, which is, which is something to say because, you know, I probably watched it 20 years after it came out and it was still as impactful. Uh, what kind of experience did you guys have with that one or have you seen that one? I just saw uh, it
1: about, oh, go ahead. I just saw it about eight years ago, actually. Um, it was just one that I had missed and, I just put off and put off and finally watched it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, and think of how groundbreaking it was, especially for the time.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, well, what's interesting to me is how strong the content is and yet how well it was received. It, mm-hmm. it had, it's critically acclaimed. I mean, it got great reviews. So, It it wasn't a situation, you know, if something like that came out now, it probably wouldn't make it to theaters, and I don't know how modern critics would respond to it. And I mean, they did a remake, but the remake...
3: They they actually toned down the remake a
2: lot. Well, (laughs) not only did they tone it down, but it was built on the back of an existing property. So it's not like it was this thing coming out of nowhere. Everybody already knew what it was. We, We had all been kind of uh, prepped by the original. So it's not like it was groundbreaking in that way. Yeah.
0: And the, the original was like very gritty looking and it just, it wasn't as polished as the remake and it just gave it more like a realistic feel to it.
2: Well, it had that. it's, you know, it and chainsaw have that, uh, you know, it's not found footage, but it is that rough, just grindhouse nasty aesthetic that adds to the horror of what you're seeing.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't even really show anything.
2: Like no, a, which which is so much worse, honestly. Yeah, yeah, to your imagination.
3: I, I think I was thirteen or fourteen the first time I saw it, and oh it, my gosh. it definitely affected <laughs> the way I, the way I thought about going out and leaving the house and <laughs> dating, yeah, being around men or boys.
2: Uh, being around humans, I mean, I don't think anybody yeah. can watch that movie because that's and that is, uh, you know, when you're a kid. Uh, like I said, the supernatural stuff is a little more effective because there's still that portion of your brain. Now, granted, no matter how old I get, there's that little tiny part in the back of my head that thinks, okay, if I open this, if I open the crawl space up in the basement, something could jump out and eat me. But when you're a kid, that part of your brain is a lot bigger and and that stuff is much scarier but as you get older and you learn how horrible people are through your experiences with them the movies about horrible people become a little more impactful i think because you you really realize like you know gosh this is you know people are awful and this is entirely possible this shit happens
0: yeah and that's that's a lot more horrific than uh the fantasy films that he's made
2: yes yes absolutely uh, so overall, uh, you know, I've, I think I've only seen it the once, uh, because it's not, you know, as, as much as I admire what he did, it's not, uh, it doesn't fall into my entertainment, uh, <laughs> library so much. It's
3: a much. horrifying it, Matt. It. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. It's like I spit on your grave, like once is good. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't so, know. I, I've seen it about twenty times. <laughs> <laughs> very sick man.
2: <laughs> oh yes, if uh, if if you guys have not, and I'm talking to the listeners here, if you have not checked out Devlin's domain on needlessthingsite.com, you need to because he is certainly, uh, you, you've opened my mind to to a bunch of movies that I I just wouldn't have found on my own because I'm much more casual about movie watching yeah. than I used to be. So I, you've your your uh, article has been a valuable tool for me.
0: I'm glad to hear
2: that, and I'm, I'm glad to have somebody dipping into the darker side of things. On oh, the side, I, I'm,
0: I'm real deep in there. Yeah, it's <laughs> nothing yet.
2: Uh, so we move on to the Hills Have Eyes, which the first Hills Have Eyes is is somewhat similar in tone to Last House on the Left. It's a little more fantastical, but it is still just that grueling, you know, the horror of people doing things to people, but. That one I it's it's it is more fantastical, so I can line it up more with entertaining stuff. I've seen it several times. Uh and it was, to me, a big shift in scale from the last house on the left, because you had a lot more characters to deal with, you had a lot more going on, and obviously the setting was much larger and I've To me, what's most impressive about that movie is the way that the desert is portrayed almost as a character itself.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: Uh, I, I, I really dig that one. It's actually one of my favorites that he's done. What about you guys?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, it it was probably my second favorite, Last House on the Left being the first. But, uh, yeah, it was it was just crazy. Like, uh, the remake, uh, I thought it was a little too much. I mean, I did enjoy it, but, uh, the first one is just hard to top.
2: It is, it really is. And I, I thought, uh, Aja, Aja, Alexander did the remake, I think, or Alexander mm-hmm. Aja. I don't remember which way those names go. Um, but I thought they did a great job modernizing it. It's, it's not, you know, no, very rarely is a remake superior to the original, but I think it can be a good companion piece, a good update of the original. Yeah. And I think that's what the remake was on that.
3: Let's get new audience. People- and then what? Of the remake was terrible. Really? Did you see The Hills Have Eyes 2? Terrible.
2: The Now <laughs> wait, the original 2 or the the sequel to the remake? The sequel to the remake. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. that is awful. <laughs> that that one that one is not on the shelf. But the first one is. I have uh, only yeah. seen the reboot. I've not seen the original. Highly recommended. And there's also a nod to Evil Dead in there. Oh. Which has, um Evil Dead 2 nods back. Uh, in, in the Hills Have Eyes, there's an Evil Dead poster, some, I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's, it's in the background of one of the scenes. And then in Evil Dead 2, they put a Hills Have Eyes poster in the background of one of the scenes, in the set dressing. Well, I think not catch the notes. Yeah, it's a little nodding back and forth. I, I only know, I've never, I am not observant of, of set dressing in that way. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's mentioned on, the commentaries for both movies. So it's, it's one of those things because the commentaries I will sit and listen to all day long. Uh, so Hills Have Eyes, uh, another groundbreaking sort of trend setting thing. Uh, and Craven was really on a roll. And then Swamp Thing happened, which is <laughs> such a weird detour really in his career, because he, he did a couple of things that were different tonally, but Swamp Thing, it, I mean, it was work for hire. Which is not something he ever really did again. I didn't
1: even know that was him until y'all just mentioned it, actually. <laughs>
2: well, like or- I said, I'm not, I'm not, uh, necessarily conscious of it. I have to sit down and look at a list yeah. of films, uh, you know, for it to, to even register. Uh, it's not, it's just odd because you'd think if you have foreknowledge of Alan Moore's run on swamp thing, you know, if you're aware of the history of Swamp Thing, you would think, wow, Wes Craven's going to make a great Swamp Thing movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And while I don't think it's a bad movie, it just isn't what I would have expected from the combination of Wes Craven and Swamp Thing.
3: Tonally, though, it, it reminds me of all that kind of stuff that was happening in the 80s because it's, it's got a very creep show kind of vibe to it, which came out the same year and also had Adrian Barbeau. It's yeah. got the same kind of campy, cartoony feel to
2: it. Yeah, and that's a good call because it does line up with that sort of uh, pre-Tales from the Crypt era of of like when the satirical element was starting to creep into horror. It, it does have that feel to it, and I hadn't really thought about that.
0: It, it's definitely one of his films that I would love to see updated. With a, you know, the way the technology is now. I think they could make an awesome Swamp Thing movie.
2: Yeah, I I was really excited when Guillermo del Toro was talking about doing Justice League Dark because Uh, I, I, you know, very easily you could have done Swamp Thing as an offshoot of that. And a Guillermo del Toro Swamp Thing would be awesome. It would be insane. (laughs) But he'd have to finish the other 848 projects he's got (laughs) before he got to it.
1: Be after Hellboy 3.
2: Uh, Right, exactly. Uh, and that brings us to the thing that Wes Craven is most universally recognized for, and that's in the on Elm Street series, uh, which Freddy is my guy. Out of, out of all of the horror icons, Freddy is my favorite, and obviously that's as much to do with Robert England, uh, as it is with Wes Craven, if not more so, but Wes Craven made it happen. Wes Craven had this concept, and, you know, not only did he Direct the movie more than competently in an amazing way that had never been done before. Not only did he pick the right guy to play his killer, uh, but he, he just came up with a concept that was, was something that was made to endure. You know, I honestly don't know, you know, at that point sequels aren't, weren't what they are now, but it really is, you know, the idea of this dream entity is a timeless concept that could go on uh, you know it's it's made to be serialized now the success of that serialization is up for debate Mm -hmm. uh but when when did you guys because i I remember seeing freddie on cable for the first time i'm almost positive part two is the first one that i saw because when i go back and watch them that's the one that i sit down and i know frame by frame so I'm pretty sure it was on HBO or Showtime or something or other back in the day, and I, I saw it a bunch to the point where I, I it's it's one of those things that's fuzzy now. To, I I don't even know when the first time I saw it or, or anything. Uh, it's just ingrained into my consciousness. But the the second one is where the that slight campiness came in a little bit more because the, the original Nightmare on Elm Street is much more of a straight horror movie. Uh, Freddy doesn't have his one-liners. He, he's not silly at all. He's just fucking terrifying. And it was jarring for me in the same way uh, I saw Evil Dead 2 before I saw Evil Dead. And the tonal differences are... Uh, both of these franchises are, are very jarring when you go back and you see the original, much more serious one uh, afterwards. So when I saw the first Nightmare... It actually scared the shit out of me, even though I even though I knew Freddy and I thought I knew what, what was coming. What about you guys? What what was your first Freddy experience?
0: Uh, I was uh, I, I watched them all out of order because you go to the video store and you just take whatever's in stock. Yeah, so I didn't see the first one for a while, but uh, after I did see the first one, I definitely preferred the the more terrifying take on Freddy because mm-hmm. because I mean that's what horror is it's supposed to scare you of course the the later versions were you know more comical and they just didn't frighten me at all but uh they were definitely entertaining yeah I think it had a lot of influence on the way that horror movies are made now like the the tone that they set especially you, know, you see it in Scream
2: well and that's one of the things that that's so interesting about Craven is how He's so influential, but the the aftereffects of what he does are not always great <laughs> because <laughs> A Nightmare on Elm Street set off a wave of very inferior imitators mm-hmm. and Scream, while I still think the first Scream is genius, it set off this horrible trend of PG-13, middle-of-the-road, CW or I guess. Yeah, w- T or wh- or Right. Yeah. The, any horror movie that has a cast photo for the cover is probably garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh what what about uh Rich and, and Beth? What about you guys?
1: As far as Nightmare goes, uh Yeah, like I said, part three was the first one I saw and then I saw the second one. I think at a birthday party, it was just weird. Like the, the dad showed all the kids, like these movies we probably weren't supposed to see at the time. And, uh, like that and Hamburger the movie, I remember for some weird reason. And, um, I thought too, was weird. Like, I mean, of course it is. I mean, it, it's very, I still don't really get it, but Wes Craven didn't, did he have anything to do with that one? He uh, he have, was,
2: he was like an executive producer on it. I, yeah. I think that's all he was for, uh, I want to say the third one. He was more I think he wrote the third one. Yes, but uh the first second one I think he was just a producer. Yeah,
1: and then uh so a little bit of a confession, I have I didn't see the first nightmare till yesterday. No kidding! <laughs> Seriously. yeah. Oh, that's kind of awesome, though. It, yeah, it was kind of cool. I mean, I you know I've, obviously I've always known that I, I hadn't seen it, never really confessed to it, but um, yeah, it was just one. I had seen all the sequels, and I even saw Freddy's Dead in the theater when it was in 3D, and uh, but just missed the first one for some reason. So,
2: so what? Did, what did you think? Did it? Because uh, I mean, you had to know all the story beats at that point, but as far as the tone. What, what did you think? How did it affect you?
1: Oh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I because I'd seen the remake, and the remakes, I mean, sort of follows the same story a little bit. But uh, um, as far as because Nan- I, I think it's shocking that like uh, Nancy, you don't really think is the lead character, lead character at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of Tina, you know. So I can imagine back then seeing it, people probably thought Tina was the main character, and then you know they kill her off in the first twenty minutes
2: and that's genius because that's something that yeah. to this day uh you know certainly in the Hollywood environment now nobody's brave enough to do that kind of thing.
1: Well, to skip forward a little bit, he did it again years later in, in Scream, you know, with Drew Barrymore. Well, and Scream
2: was very good with with all of those tropes though. Yeah. Like that that was absolutely the intent there was was to play around with with what we know of horror movies, which is what makes it so genius. Yeah.
1: But I, I I have my favorite memory is Freddy's Dead in the theater because that was probably one of my first horror movies in the theater, um, I, I would imagine. Uh, it probably wasn't a very good movie, but I mean, it was
2: cool. <laughs> I'm sure it was fun, though. I mean, any seeing any kind of horror movie in the theater is fun. That's one of the things that's so special about it is like even if it's garbage, you're still in a theater watching a horror movie. That's a good time no matter what. Because I was young for that movie, too. I mean, I probably shouldn't have seen that one, either. I mean... The the first horror movie, and it was a little late for me, but it was because it was so accessible on VHS. You go to your local movie store, you know, whether it's Blockbuster or mom-and-pop store or whatever, and you pick out whatever has the most lurid, weird cover, and you take it home. So, I mean... You know, horror, you could get stocked up on without going to the theater, but the first thing I saw, and I, I, the only reason I mention it now is because I don't think I've really talked about it before, but the first theatrical horror movie I saw was Hellraiser 3. Which... Oh, that's my favorite. It's, it's, (laughs) and it's, see, it's, it's a sentimental favorite for me, it's not, it's not a great Hellraiser movie, but it just because i i have that memory of seeing it in the theater and it is sort of gonzo and over the top for hellraiser like that that is not what i want from a hellraiser movie but it's also kind of awesome but yeah that's that so seeing Freddy's dead in the theater i mean that's always going to stick with you as kind of like well that's a special one it doesn't matter how good it is you know
1: yeah, and the 3D, I just remember there was one part of the of of it in 3D really at the end when he blows up and all the faces come out. And yeah, yeah. really
3: Oh, well, was- yeah, I remember that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and if you watch it like years later, watch it now, um like it, it's so obvious like that was in 3D, like right, right.
2: That well, and it's funny watching those old 3D movies because there's like there'll be the part where his glove like pokes at the camera, and you're like, yeah, that's I, I see what you're doing there. Um, Beth, what about you? What, what's your what's your first Freddy?
3: Um, well, of course it was the first one. Um, like I said, my parents were terrible people and wanted me to never, ever, ever have a good night's sleep. Um, so I know I saw the first one at least within a year of it coming out. Like okay, so that
2: it, that being the case, well, because you lived with it from the beginning, what did you make of the tonal shift as the series went along?
3: Well, I really did not like the second one. Like Compared to the first one, it just made no sense. I had no idea what was happening. It, who is this? Why do I care about this guy? Didn't make any sense to me at all as far as the series went. And then, I know it's not going to be a popular thing, but I really liked the third one. Oh, I love oh, the third one. one was great. I, I it is my favorite. Horror, I liked the Dawkins song. I liked yeah. all of it.
2: No, I, th- I don't think that is unpopular. I, I talk to a lot of people that cite Dream Warriors as their favorite of the franchise, and it is... Uh, for me personally I think it's because it's such a product of its time and that that's when I was really good getting into horror those those mid 80s horror movies are what latched like I I saw stuff before that I saw phantasm and evil dead and like I saw some early stuff but those mid 80s horror movies are what really latched me in so the nostalgia Of that movie is powerful, but at the same time, I think it's the most sort of relatable because the kids are, are, let's fight back. Let's not take this. Let's do something. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. Don't just lay in bed and let him cut you to pieces. (laughs) Fight back and let him cut you to pieces. I mean, you're, it's Freddie. You're still going to get cut to pieces, but it was, uh, no, I, I totally, and also seeing them get their, dream powers and shit like that's
3: <laughs> awesome it's great well and as bad as some of the acting is there's also people like Patricia Arquette and Lawrence Fishburne and, and there's awesome people in that movie and they're really good
2: yeah yeah absolutely
3: and it was before Freddy got to one-linery because like you I appreciate the more fucking terrifying Freddy of the first movie and as it went on and on and on into like Freddy's dead and, and even in the new nightmare, it's still pretty quippy.
2: Yeah. I was actually, I, I went back and watched new nightmare, uh, cause I, I saw it in the theater and then when it came out, you know, for home release or whatever, I bought it. I know I, I I've owned it at least three different formats, uh, but it had been a few years since I had watched it and I, I watched it again a year or so ago and I remembered it being tonally different, but it really isn't. It's still pretty campy. Like visually, Freddie is, is a little scarier. He's more demonic. Uh, but it, it but didn't the go. Tone is the same. Yeah. It didn't go for it in the way that my brain remembered it had. And granted mm. it's not as silly as the later ones, but it still isn't, like I would – this this is going to sound so bizarre. I would actually love to see uh, a remake of New Nightmare. <laughs> like, <laughs> a remake uh, of the
3: remake? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well,
2: it just it would – and I don't mean that in a uh, – you know, with a new cast necessarily. But I would love to see it done as more of a straight horror movie. Uh, but the danger of that – and and this is probably something that they were facing at the time – is when you take at that point in the franchise, if you had removed Robert England's humor entirely, it wouldn't have been Freddie. And I understand that the kind of the goal was that, but, but I, I get where there was a lot of trepidation about, well, how much can we take it you know, how much can we tone it down from what we've been doing? How much can we make it more serious? And and I think uh I think they erred on the side of caution. Which, which was, was a mistake, pissed, but, uh, you know, and I still dig the movie, don't get me wrong.
3: I was pretty pissed the other night I, when I was staying home to foster my con funk. Um, they were showing on Sci-Fi Channel that they were showing the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and I turned it on, and it was the remake.
1: Ugh. <laughs> uh,
2: that that remake, to me, is part of a trilogy of useless remakes.
0: versus.
2: No, no, no. Freddy versus Jason. I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fine. down with that. No, I uh the new RoboCop? The oh. new Nightmare on oh. Elm Street. And oh shit, I can't remember the other one now. It just fell right out of my fucking right head. at 13. Uh, no, no, no. I didn't That one I was okay I with liked it did like that, it, one. Liked that it, one. It did different things. Yeah, it did do that. But. Um, but the the Nightmare on Elm Street and RoboCop and wherever the fuck else I was trying to think of. They're the same movie, essentially, with very slight differences, but they just weren't worth watching. Like, they're you, not as good as the original. No, no, they're and, not. And they, they didn't, you know, not only that, but they tread, they, they made a movie that was actually more bland than the original. It wasn't the update that, that I feel like, say the new, the, the Chainsaw remake, uh, which granted most Chainsaw movies are a remake in one way or another, but, and, I dug the Chainsaw remake because it, it brought sort of a modern aesthetic. It had a slightly different feel to it. Like it, to me, that was a worthy entry into the remake field. Yeah. Uh, but that Nightmare remake, it was just like, well, one, you've got, as much as I like, uh, Rorschach, Jackie Earl, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he just didn't bring anything interesting enough to be different from Robert England.
1: Yeah, he didn't but have I, enough personality.
0: No, no.
1: I don't it, think what, that he was the bad part about the movie, though, really. No, no, he, he wasn't. Was he,
2: he could have been good. It's the fact that the movie was just like, eh, this is what's happening
3: in horror now.
2: Uh, I don't know. It's, it it just didn't succeed. Yeah. For when me. I flipped the
3: channel over, it was uh, literally 20 minutes of Tina talking to her boyfriend. <laughs> Why isn't she dead yet? CW good God, Matt. That.
2: And well, and also the, there was no need, like, as uh, I think it was Robert England actually said this, isn't child killer bad enough? Do we really need to bring pedophile yeah. into it? And yeah. uh, that, that bothered me too. Cause it just wasn't necessary. Cause part of the, part of the fun and granted this didn't take root until probably the third movie, but part of our love for Freddie is that we kind of are rooting for him. We kind of like Freddie, like he's awful. But we kinda like him, but you can't, like, you, you can, uh, I don't know if you, have you guys seen Cooties?
1: I haven't yet. Not yet.
2: Not yet. You need to see Cooties. You guys and everybody listening to this, uh, it's, it's one of those VOD theatrical same day type things, mm-hmm. uh, and it's from Elijah Wood's production company, which I say Elijah Wood and there are probably people out there going, uh, what? <laughs> Elijah Wood is a bigger horror nerd than all of us put together. Yes. He started a fucking production company to put out horror movies. Uh, and Cooties is one that he has put out and it's awesome. And well, since- I really want to see it. Yes, you really need to see it. Uh, but since you haven't, I'm not gonna go into too much detail. I'll just say see Cooties. But, uh, you know, I-I-I will say, I can get past Freddy being a child killer because he's Freddy! But there's no the pedophile line, that's it. You don't cross that. You're done. I can't root for this guy. The
3: problem is that he he becomes so jokey that you're not scared of him anymore. And he's like, oh, it's Freddy. I hope he beats all those kids who are trying to not die. And
2: yes, it's the problem, but it's also kind of the wonderful. Like, because there are plenty of movies where I can be scared, you know, just purely scared of the killer. You got Pinhead, You've got Jason has never been a chuckly guy. Uh, Michael Myers, you know, all these guys are serious killers. Now granted, they're not always in serious movies, but they're killers and that's it. That's all there is. Uh, so I kind of dig that's what I like about Freddy is, is he's, uh, he's the, the personable slasher. He's the guy you might have over for a beer before he kills you. Right. He's totally going to kill you, but you're going to have fun. Um if you shut up I love Jason X. Oh, Jason Ooh. X is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. Great. That scene with the two chicks in the sleeping bag. Oh yeah, that was awesome. oh, so good. We could do a whole episode just on Jason X. <laughs> oh yeah. Um but we need to move on. Uh I, I want to real briefly touch on the Twilight Zone but just because this is something that I was utterly unaware of. Uh he directed five episodes of the 80s Twilight Zone TV revival, which I saw when I was a kid, and I, I think I was like 9 or 10 years old or something, and they scared the fuck out of me. Uh, there's one episode, uh, Shadow Man, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen on television. Now, Wes Craven did not direct it, but that's the caliber of stuff we're talking about with the Twilight Zone. Uh, this is the second revival that happened in the 80s. And uh, they obviously... You go to Wes Craven if you want to make an impact. And they did. And, and he directed, uh, through the, through the first season, there were three seasons total, but through the first season, uh, he directed five of the episodes. And honestly, off the top of my head, I don't remember them specifically because it's been years since I've seen any of those. Uh, cause I don't want to accidentally watch Shadow Man again and shit my pants. <laughs> uh, but it's very interesting that, that he, by that time, uh, you know, four movies in, because Swamp Thing. Whatever we say about it, it was, uh, it, it is part of the comic book movie pantheon. At the time, uh, I don't believe it was considered a bomb. I think it did okay. So, and and he's got three essential, you know, for the time horror blockbusters under his belt. So to bring West Craven to TV, and the fact that he was willing to do TV, uh, was pretty impressive. Do oh, you guys he did
3: TV again?
2: Well, yeah. Freddy's nightmare crap. Hey, 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 that's some (laughs) of the best. Now, those, while the stories are, you know, they go back and forth. It's your typical horror anthology thing where you've got some that are good, some that are not. But Robert England in those, that's some of his best Freddy stuff. His introductions to those uh, stories are are awesome. You can find them on YouTube. Go check them out. Uh, Oh,
3: and I, I just looked up Shadow Man on Wikipedia you were scared of something Joe Dante did?
2: <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, seriously watch that episode and and see if you don't sleep with the lights on tonight. Uh so let's let's uh, do you guys how, do you guys have any kind of memories of that Twilight Zone revival or is that kind of just a thing that happened in the 80s and whatever?
3: I totally watched all of them. I just had no idea that Wes Craven had anything to do with it. Uh, that's the boat I was in.
0: Yeah, I was in the same boat.
3: So good for him, good for TV,
2: let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Serpent in the Rainbow, which I did not check out for several years. It took me a while to get to that one, but it's now, uh, I, I love that movie. And it's again, very different for Craven. Uh, how do you guys feel about that one?
0: I thought it was great. Uh, it was a, it was a big change in style from uh, his previous stuff. And, uh, just the whole voodoo concepts and everything, you know, you know I'm not superstitious or whatever, but so it's probably not as scary to me as it could be to some people, but, uh, the story was definitely pretty interesting and, uh, kind of curious of what facts they use. Uh, so this is allegedly a true story.
2: Well, it's interesting because it is, uh, it is based, uh, like, you know, let's say, 30 things happen in that movie. Mm-hmm. Five of them are things that happened, but all of those five are seriously elaborated on. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, all of the mythology that he uses in that movie is very much taken from the real world. Uh, and it's essentially... It, it's interesting because it's his version of a zombie movie. Yeah. Uh, but just the performances are fantastic the direction is fantastic it's it's to me it's a standout of his entire career uh, not only because of how different it is but because of it has that element of the supernatural but at the same time he tried to keep it very grounded up yeah. until the end uh, where Bill Pullman gets superpowers <laughs> 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 which don't get me wrong Bill Pullman with superpowers is great I'll watch that any day of the week uh, especially the the great revenge scene with the floating knife, and, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, what about, how, how did you guys come into Serpent in the Rainbow? I have never seen it.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: man, you need to. I know,
1: I know. It, it's not available on Netflix, so I, I watched four movies from yesterday to today, and that wasn't one of them.
2: <laughs> it is worth, I, I bet you can get it for like five bucks on DVD. Yeah, It's worth five bucks easily. Yes, absolutely. I'll have to look for it. And then things took a strange turn for old Wes Craven, because then Shocker happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And apparently, Shocker was his attempt to start a new franchise with a new uh, recurring, you know, Freddy Krueger-type character in Horace Pinker, which is the craziest shit I've ever heard, because if you've <laughs> seen Shocker, you know it's plenty of Horace Pinker. Uh, but I do, I do love the movie. I didn't like it at first because it's pretty silly. But I mean, come on, Alice Cooper, no more Mr. Nice Guy. You kind of have to love it a little bit. What do you, what do you guys, what are you guys impression of Shocker?
0: I never saw it, but I did see Ernest Goes to Jail. Was that anything like that?
2: close actually (laughs) yes yes. as a matter of fact it was uh and actually i want to put this over real quick i'm sure you guys are all familiar with shout factory oh yeah um well their their horror imprint scream factory just issued shocker on blu-ray and it's got tons of stuff on it it's a gorgeous new transfer and i highly recommend it uh but you might want to find, uh, find it streaming somewhere first, just to make sure it's something you want to own. Uh, but I totally want to own it. I, I, I really dig shocker now. I did not at first, but it, I find in my old age I, I enjoy uh, the more campy aspects of certain things a little more than I used to, or maybe I can sort of fit them into, into my expanding taste more than I used to be able to. Beth, I know you've seen Shocker. You've got to
3: have thoughts about it. Honestly, I I actually have not seen Shocker. What? Get out of here! <gasps> I really. Oh I've, my gosh! I'm how have you? Myself. How have
2: you of all people not I don't, seen Shocker?
3: No, I feel like I, we've I, talked I've seen about Shocker. Anything out there?
2: Oh my gosh! All right, you guys have homework.
1: Yep. <laughs> I, I have seen Shocker, but it was in the '90s. It's been years ago since I've seen it, but I have seen it one time.
2: What What was your What were your thoughts?
1: Well, it was I didn't I, probably like you. Like it was just too silly, but I might appreciate it now. But um, I actually tried to. Uh, I started watching it last night and I fell asleep. So.
2: Yeah, no, that, that doesn't speak well for it, it at all. That might say a little bit of what I feel oh. about it
3: now. You're not selling me,
2: right? Right. Uh, I would. I would say this: if I could go see Shocker in a theater with a group of friends, uh, that would be one of my like top five Halloween things to do. Because if you can watch it with a group of people, you're going to have a good fucking time watching that movie
1: horror movies in any group of people is just the best yeah. way to see horror. it yeah, is yeah, it is
2: so fun that's very true that's very true
3: except for the poltergeist remake I saw on my birthday oh Ew.
2: yeah that's yep. the that's the only reason I didn't go to your birthday party
3: <laughs> yeah thanks
2: <laughs> no I think it was actually because I was working or something I don't remember whatever yeah yeah uh people under the stairs is next uh another one that I didn't appreciate until later viewings. Because it was just too fucking weird what? the first time I saw it.
1: I love people under the stairs. I, I from the first time I saw it, I loved it. I concur. Yeah, Ro- Roach was my favorite character for the longest time in any movie.
2: We met and, him at a horror convention a couple of years ago, and he is quite a dancer. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> I, I've I've met him too. He's pretty. He's a nice guy.
2: Yeah, he's super nice guy. So okay, so you guys all dug people under the stairs right out of the gate. What what made that happen? It's so weird, like you said.
1: I mean, it's so weird. And it's not really horror at all. I mean, the, the situation might be scary, and it, it's a little weird as far as, uh, you know, you find out. They're not really husband and wife, maybe brother and sister. Dude, stuff like that. if
2: you can come, <laughs> if you can come up with something scarier than a big guy well, in a gimp suit chasing I, 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 me down a hallway, <laughs> I will give you ten dollars. <laughs> well, I think it was the
1: tone of the movie wasn't scary. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I think it was it was so over the top, and that character was so over the top and ridiculous. Like it, it was just—I mean, I always laughed at it. I always thought it was more of a funny movie, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe I took it wrong, but uh I just yeah that's the way i I always saw it
0: yeah i, I thought it was pretty funny myself, but some of the, you know a lot of the situations that happened in the movie were were pretty horrifying and, and the movie itself is ended up being totally different than what I expected uh just by the title and you yeah know, whatever and uh I really loved the uh the couple uh they were also they also played a couple in Twin Peaks.
3: Oh, Say I Max. was totally going to bring that up.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, their performances were out of the park.
2: I yeah, really I love people under the stairs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love that kid, the kid who plays uh, Fool.
2: He's great.
3: That kid is awesome.
2: Well, that's the thing I was going to point out, is that that was actually a huge thing at the time, is to have your protagonist be a black kid yeah like i mean that was a big big step for 1991 because you didn't see that in you know yes it's a horror movie but at this point west craven was fairly mainstream he was mainstream enough for it to be called west craven's people under the stairs yeah. and for a mainstream film to have an african-american protagonist especially a kid uh that's wild I mean, and that's, you know, again, that speaks to Wes Craven's sort of uh, sense of vision that he had, I think.
3: Well, I agree that it wasn't super, super scary or horror in many, many ways. But it was it was fun, and there were some fairly creepy situations in it. Nonetheless, I think it's just, uh, you know, I think with... was
1: suspenseful. Yeah, suspenseful, def- definitely, in places.
3: And the incest, or implied incest, was you know, also fairly creepy.
1: And, uh, th- th-
0: this movie was actually, uh, inspired by real events as well.
2: What? Know. Yeah. No, I didn't uh, know that.
0: <laughs> uh, he-, he read a story in a paper about burglars breaking into a house and then the cops show up and then they find like the the family that lived there had their children locked up inside the rooms and. Oh, Wow.
1: Have you all seen that Never That's, Sleep Again documentary?
2: Yes, fantastic.
1: Yes. It, it says Nightmare was actually based on a true story too. I mean, loosely, right, you know, yeah,
2: right? Yeah, he was inspired by by news events, night terrors. Yeah, it's interesting that that people under the stairs because that kind of stuff happens in Florida like on a daily basis now. <laughs> <laughs> So next we have yet another departure. Man, this guy, just looking at the list that, that we're covering today, and granted we're not, we're not touching on everything uh, and we're not getting into as much detail a, as we maybe could, but I, I kind of just wanted to look at a, a broad, take a broad look at, at what he's done. He really did do something different at every turn because Vampire in Brooklyn is really outside of the box uh, for everybody involved because you have eddie murphy who wanted to play a serious scary villain uh you have wes craven who wanted to make a serious scary horror movie and then you have the studio that didn't want either of those things to happen uh and and everybody was confused by what was going on their interviews with john witherspoon about how eddie didn't want to be funny and nobody understood why eddie was in the movie if he wasn't going to be funny (laughs) uh this is one that, again, I, I didn't care for on first viewing. And while the tone is absolutely fucking schizophrenic, uh, I do like a lot that happens in it. Kadim Hardison as the rotting uh, Renfield character is hilarious and awesome and also weirdly creepy. Uh, Murphy, I think if they could have settled on a tone... I think his performance would have been very effective. Uh and and that really is the biggest issue with the movie is it just can't decide what it is because it's it's a little bit uh coming to America. It's a little bit traditional Dracula, it's a little bit uh Oh shit, what's the movie with Grace Jones? The vampire movie? Oh no. Right? I
0: can't <laughs> remember. <laughs>
2: But but it it is it's too many things and and none of it works, but it is very interesting to watch and there's some great performances in it. What what about you guys? First of all, have you seen it?
1: I have very I have, little
2: recollection
1: yeah. of it. I have very little recollection of
2: it. And that's probably for the best, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: I, I enjoyed it when I saw it, but it's been a very long time. I was still in high school. I but, think uh,
2: I think I went into it more as an eddie murphy movie than as a horror movie so i think my initial dislike of it was that uh you know and i loved horror movies but again like like everybody was saying uh during the filming it it wasn't what you wanted from eddie murphy Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of how i went into it is like oh this is going to be another great eddie murphy movie but it was trying to be a horror movie against all odds beth what about you
3: I, I know I saw it, but I know I also saw it going into it as, oh, it's Eddie Murphy. It's going to be funny. And and then I was watching it going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> right. I don't understand this movie. <laughs> and, and that's
2: that's what it is. If you're not prepared for the tonal shifts, it's just too jarring on a first viewing. Like, if you just show somebody that movie cold, they're not going to like it. Uh but on repeated viewings, you know, I've seen it a few times now, and I, I really do. I can appreciate the things that are there. Uh, I haven't
3: seen it since the first time, honestly.
2: No, it's it's worth it's worth revisiting uh, for free. Don't buy it's, it. it. It's on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Netflix. Uh, and then somehow, after that, although Hollywood was aware that that movie's it was a bomb, it was an utter bomb. Uh, but they knew it was not Wes Craven's fault. Uh, he did everything he could uh, to make a good horror movie, and the studio basically butchered it. Uh, and then he came back strong with Scream, which kind of changed the horror industry for a decade.
1: Uh, oh, easy.
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, what an amazing flick. We, we could talk about, and one thing that I do want to mention is that the subsequent Scream movies, now I have not seen the fourth one. But Scream two and three, to varying degrees, were as effective in their own way, because it, it became it sort of embraced the fact that it had to parody itself, uh, the franchise at one point, mm. uh, which I think is very impressive that they were able to do that, especially with the the rash of inferior like I, I know what you did last summer and uh, all of the other just kind of garbagey look at this young cast movies that came out. Uh, what I saw Scream in the theater whenever it came out, maybe opening night, I don't know, immediately loved it, immediately was blown away by how smart it was, and that it was obviously the work of a master of horror who knew the genre, uh, who knew what he was doing. What about you guys? Did you see it early on? Uh, how I, I did saw it
3: in the theater, and I remember the first 15 minutes of it were fucking <clears throat> <and> terrifying. <laughs> Yes. Cuz that Drew Barrymore bit was so scary and even though I hate Jamie Foxx, like I still was engaged throughout the whole rest of the movie.
0: And nobody saw Drew Barrymore getting killed off right no. at the beginning. No. No. She's on
3: no. the puppet. No, I thought she was the main character.
2: It's so bothering me cuz it's not Jamie Foxx, it's Jamie Kennedy.
3: Kennedy, I'm sorry. Jamie Long Fox time. would
2: have been an entirely different <laughs> experience.
3: <laughs> yeah, I dislike him so much I can't even remember his real name. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, it's it's very interesting. One that that movie was even able to happen, uh, and two, what it did. You know, it, it to a certain extent revitalized Drew Barrymore's career. Because I, I, if I'm correct, she had been a little stagnant for a few years prior to that. I, I remember it being a big deal she was in it. Uh, it launched Nev Campbell and it brought, like it, it brought David Arquette into the spotlight. It really, you know, it's funny because it's that teen, not teen, but you know, that, that pretty cast thing, but it was successful, which is why Hollywood wanted all the other pretty cast movies.
1: But this one was supposed to be like a sort of a mockery of that. I mean, that's what made it so good, I thought. Like it was, (laughs) it was just amping
2: everything up to the 10th degree. Well, and I think we knew this cast a little bit more because I mean, obviously a pretty cast has been present in horror movies since the inception of the slasher flick because you got to have somebody to kill and you might as well make them pretty. And granted, you've got the one guy that's either fat or in a wheelchair (laughs) or has some kind of horrible hair thing going on. Like there's always that guy and you know, he's going to go quick, but everybody else is, is relatively photogenic young people. And they took this. And and again, he he turned it around a little bit and it worked for all of them, but it's because Wes Craven is, uh, you know, it's interesting to say he's clever because we can look at his career that we've talked about tonight and, and realize that he wasn't always clever. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. It's it's just amazing that Scream hit when it did. And again, very much uh like Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, it was a product of its time. Like it Scream's 90s. Pardon the pun. That was <laughs> terrible. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Any more thoughts on the Scream series? I feel like it's too big to just gloss over, but, but we do have sh- more to hit.
0: You could, you could kind of see in uh, the themes uh, in New Nightmare. Like he, he had some of these ideas going on when he was filming that. Just how I just, you know, holding up the mirror to the genre. Yes. And uh the, as the movies themselves, I thought they were all great, even, even four I liked, and they all kind of, you know, tied together. You know, it wasn't sloppy, e- even though you kind of thought it might be, you know, the further it went on. But, you know, he, he packed it all together real tight. But, uh you know, it, like you said earlier, it did have a somewhat negative effect on future movies that try to duplicate the style.
2: Well, I remember being absolutely shocked that Scream Three was good because yeah. at, at that point, I thought there was just no way you don't get a, you don't get a third. You know, two. Okay, you know, you can flip things around a little bit. You can you can kind of wink at yourself and pull it off a second time. But to get three movies out of the same concept, I didn't think was going to happen, and it did. It was beautiful. Yeah, have you guys? Beth and and Richard, have you seen the fourth Scream? I've only seen the first two. Okay.
3: I've seen them all, and and I even liked the part where he was willing to make fun of himself in that terrible Jay and Silent Bob movie. Sure. (laughs) Where they put the monkey in the screen costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that he's self-aware enough to make fun of himself, knowing that, yeah, I do some silly shit. Even though some of it's really, really good, there's, there's some silly shit in there.
2: Well, and I think to to be a producer on uh, in a Nightmare on Elm Street series in all its many iterations, you've got to have a, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek about yourself. Yeah. Uh, you have to. You've got to have a pretty good perspective on things. Uh, which brings us to Cursed, which honestly I don't even want to talk about. <laughs> uh, are there any, Why aren't we talking about it? Are, are there any Cursed fans here? I saw it last night for the first time. I'm I, sorry. I, eh. I feel bad because I feel like I'm the reason that you had to watch that too. You, you are the reason. Oh, I do. I know. I owe you like five oh. bucks.
1: Fuck. <laughs> but you know there, there, was cool, uh, there was a cool there was a cool Freddie nod in that movie. That, I'll say that there was a scene where there, he's touring whatever set he was working on. Uh, Joshua Jackson, mm. and in the background there's a Freddy sweater. Like a, it was a dummy, and it had the Freddie
2: sweater and hat on it. Well, there you go. And, so and that, that made it worth it. <laughs> find that scene on YouTube, and that's as much of cursed as you yes. ever need see.
1: Yeah. Oh.
0: Uh, yeah, the only, only reason I bothered was because of Christina Ricci.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think you know, I think we all were kind of in that boat. Like, one, it's West Craven. Two, it's werewolves. And three, Christina Ricci. Like that should be enough reason to see a movie. Yeah. But it's
1: not. And to be fair, I, I, I wouldn't watch it. I, that was it. It, to be fair, I wouldn't have watched it if Jesse Eisen—if I knew Jesse Eisenberg was in it.
2: So. <laughs> See, I like him. I just don't want him to be Lex Luthor. Uh, Red Eye really surprised me because, you know, honestly, by the time Red Eye hit, I, I was kind of wondering where West Craven was going. And and cursed. To be fair, cursed was another example of studio interference. Uh That they-, they literally cut the movie down to PG-13. He made an R-rated movie and they said, no, it's going to be PG-13. They lost a lot of the cast due to filming delays. so They had to reshoot entire scenes. Like it was, it was a fucking disaster. And it would act, it's one of those movies that's such a mess that it deserves a documentary about what a mess it is. <laughs> uh, but then Red Eye comes along and not only do you have the bad aftertaste from Cursed, but it's not a horror movie. Uh, and, and I wasn't, I had no interest in it. But wow. then- The
3: curious thing about Red Eye to me was Killian Murphy because of his big weird eyes.
2: Uh, see, I thought he was fantastic. I thought the movie was fantastic. Me too? Uh, I thought that the tension was established really nicely. I thought Rachel McAdams, even though I'm not really predisposed to, to like her all that much, she carried that movie. Uh, as, you know, the linchpin of the whole thing, she it made... Changed. Huh?
3: It just wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting right. a horror movie, knowing it was coming from Wes Craven, mm. and there wasn't really much horror about it. It was a, it was a thriller. Tense flight. It was a, <laughs> a <laughs> tense <laughs> was really a flight. <laughs> I think you're
2: underselling it a little bit. Um, it's it's not like there was just a little turbulence, but uh, no, I, I I had the benefit uh, going in knowing that it was not a horror movie. That it was something different. And I enjoyed it for that. I actually think it's a very, very good movie. Uh and, and Cillian Murphy, I mean, he's just naturally extremely creepy. Like he he needn't have blown fear dust into anybody's face in the Batman movies.
3: Those big weird eyes.
2: Yeah. He's he's like uh
3: Yeah.
1: Do y'all remember the trailer for that movie? I do not, no. Oh, I love so the trailer's the best part, I think, because it made me want to see it. But it was the Half the trailer made it to be a romantic comedy. Yeah, I remember like that. like a romantic, yeah. like him chase, like them running to meet on the plane. Oh, and wow. stuff. And and then then like the whole screen goes dark and his eyes go red and it then it becomes like a thriller trailer. But oh, it's so great. great. You gotta find it on YouTube.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that out. That's
3: great. why I wanted to see it, and that's why I was annoyed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I ju- we just—I uh I went and saw a Green Inferno the other night, which I highly recommend seeing that in the theater if you can.
1: I want to see it so bad. Uh, and yeah, one, of the tra-
2: one of the trailers was for Krampus. And- oh, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. It takes <sighs> it takes a turn just like what you just described, where it starts off. Uh, and-, and see, I didn't know that. All I knew about Krampus was that the guy that did Trick or Treat is doing it. So I'm—that's all oh, I need. He? Oh yeah, yeah. that's oh, all okay. I need to know. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, I did not know that Adam Scott and David Keckner are in it. So it starts off like another, oh, no, got to go spend the holidays with the family. Like yeah. It looks like it's going to be one of those goofy comedies, like, oh, mom's drinking a little bit too much. Uh-oh. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Why is this playing in front of Green Inferno? And then it takes a turn, just like what you just said. you're like, holy shit, what is happening? It's, it's great. Look that trailer up for yeah. sure. I'm going to put it – actually, for the listeners, I'm going to put that in the show notes. So go to NeedlessThingsSite.com, and you can see the trailer for Krampus because it's awesome. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up here. Uh, I hate to end on my soul to take. <laughs> uh, but fortunately, let's remember that the last movie that Wes Craven directed was Scream 4, which did well. Uh, those of us that have seen it said that it was good. Um, so now I'm going to see it. I, I I certainly feel obligated to at this point. Um, I sold to take. Not, again, like Cursed. I, now, granted, this was Wes Craven's vision. There was no interference. It just didn't work. Uh, it was very generic. Uh, it was another cast-type movie with a very predictable twist. It just didn't do anything for me. Have you guys seen that one? I turned it off. Yeah, that's good, smart man. I literally turned it off. I think I think we actually watched the middle portion and fast forward, if <laughs> I remember correctly.
3: That I, I watched it, and I I fell asleep. Yeah. So and let's all.
2: <laughs> let's all just be happy that Scream Four is uh, his his ultimate work, his final work, and that it's uh, it's a franchise that he took better care of than anything else uh that he did and and was successful in for four installments of a horror movie. That's that's pretty fucking impressive uh even when stacked up against all of the other innovative and visionary things that Wes Craven accomplished during his career. Uh I want to now, and I hope you guys got prepared with your show notes, uh Craven's place in the horror pantheon, obviously he is a force that you you have to discuss when you're talking about the horror movies of of our generation. Uh, to me, he is he was an ongoing name in a way that very few others were. I would say he and John Carpenter mm. are probably the two most present names in my personal horror vault in my head. Uh, John Carpenter will always be my favorite. But Wes Craven is the other guy, to me, that was consistently relevant throughout my life. And, you know, that's impressive. We're talking about 40 years of filmmaking, and, you know, he had some duds, but the name Wes Craven is a fucking brand, and that's an accomplishment. How do you guys... Where do you guys place him? Where do you think of him?
3: He is very, very close with John Carpenter in my lexicon of horror, because... Yes, John Carpenter has delivered some scarier things, but Wes Craven has been more socially relevant for longer. Because John Carpenter, his later works got a little iffy. Whereas Wes Craven, yeah, he had an iffy here and there, but he, he always came back.
2: That's a very, very good point. Because Ghost of Mars, everybody.
3: Ooh. Yeah, exactly. I think he's the top.
1: I mean, I think when you mention horror, I, I would mention – I mean, I would think of Wes Craven first. I mean, I I think it's – and I think the chances he took and that he didn't just copy himself over and over and over, you know, it, all his films are just so different from the other, really. I mean, if you think about it.
2: That's actually yeah. a really, really good point, too, because, you know, John Carpenter will always be my guy. But you always know a John Carpenter movie. You always know a David Cronenberg movie. Like they're, they're, thematic elements that are consistent throughout their careers. Whereas Wes Craven, yeah, he, he tried different things. He did very different things. That's a very good point.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, with people in the stairs and like a lot of us didn't even think Swamp Thing was him. I mean, so I think that, that says something that at least, I mean, he, he did do different things. They may not have always worked, but, but
2: he was I mean, adaptable. Yeah. Devlin?
0: Yeah, there's a a lot of directors, you know, that start in the horror business, you know, just as a means to get into the film and, you know, they make cheap movies with crappy actors and, you know, they move on to bigger and better things, but there's very few guys that actually live in that genre and become a staple. You know, maybe there's a couple guys currently, maybe like Eli Roth or, you know, Rob Zombie, guys like that, but you know, they're not churning out movies like Wes Craven did. And, uh, I'd say if there was a Mount Rushmore for horror, he would be definitely on it.
2: Yeah. That, that is absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, he, it's, it's, it really is his passing is tragic because, you know, what was going to happen next? Was he going to have another Grand Slam. Was he going to have another? Not so much. Uh, you know, we'll we'll never know exactly what he had planned. I'm sure at some point we will get a from the mind of Wes Craven type of movie, like whatever his last project he was working on was or a script that somebody finds or whatever. Uh, but his body of work is incredible, and there's no denying that he's given us some of the very best horror of the past decades. Uh, I want to run down and get your your top five your favorites you don't even have to do five if you if you just feel like three whatever but your your favorites from Wes Craven uh I'll start off just because I sent this list out so I had the advantage of knowing ahead of time exactly what mine were going to be uh the one that I can you know obviously watch over and over and over again is Nightmare on Elm Street uh uh, you know, that, that now I, I would actually pick three, but he did not direct three, so I'm not gonna cheat and put that on there. The original <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, The First Hills Have Eyes, Serpent in the Rainbow, Shocker, and, uh, The First Scream are, like, running down the list if I had to just pull out five Wes Craven movies right now and sit down and watch them. Those would be the ones, and those would be the ones that I watch uh, if not annually, pretty darn close to it. Uh, let's go with Richard. What about you? What are you, what are your top Craven flicks?
1: Uh, I would go Nightmare. I'd probably go three two uh, if I had the choice. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I'd go Nightmare and then I'd go People Under the Stairs. And I, Nightmare is probably I mean it, look, Freddy is great and he is the icon. But I love People Under the Stairs and then as my third one, I'd probably go red eye. Cause I, I just love that movie and then, uh, scream and then, uh, well, the last house on the left, I think has to be mentioned. too.
2: Very interesting. I, uh, well, and, uh, I think that's a pretty good segue going to Devlin because I think we yeah. know what your number one <laughs> is. Yeah.
0: yeah spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, I'd say five would probably be people under the stairs. Uh, Four Serpent in the Rainbow, Three uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hills Have Eyes, and then Last House on the Left.
2: That's interesting, and you guys just talking about it are making me want to watch it again now because <laughs> I, I uh, the last I saw the uh, the remake more recently than I saw the original, so I, I really do need to go Beth. revisit the original anyway. Uh, Beth,
3: um, I'm going to go top to bottom as well, and I'm going to start with The Hills Have Eyes. But only because I like the other movies better, um, and then Scream, Last House on the Left, Serpent in the Rainbow, and the original Nightmare on Elm, <clears throat> Excuse Me, Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: Oh, we've we were wrapping this up just in time, apparently. <laughs> um, and that and that's it. I, I don't think anybody got any final thoughts about Wes Craven. I think we've covered it as thoroughly as we can in an hour ish. Uh, any last things anybody wants to say?
1: I think he just changed the genre. You know, every, every ten years or so, he just changed it and flipped it on his head. And I don't think anybody else will ever do that like he did.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Uh, before we go, uh, everybody, I want you to put over where we can find you online. Uh, tell us if you've got anything going on in Halloween, uh, uh Halloween in October. Uh, other than needless things, uh, let's start with Devlin. Where can we find you online, and what are you doing this month?
0: Uh, I've got a Facebook page for my wrestling moniker. It's uh, facebook.com slash D-E-V-L-I-N-V-A-L-E-K. Uh, let's see. we got a match coming up third week of October, and uh, I've got some movie reviews uh, posting on Wednesdays. Uh, this Wednesday I'm doing Cannibal Holocaust. And, uh, nice. And prep for uh, Green Inferno, which I haven't seen yet.
2: Now, is, uh, the PCW shows, are, are you guys doing more stuff at the theater in Avondale or are you back in Porterdale full time? The
0: Avondale show we did Saturday was uh, just for Sacred Ground. Okay. It was a one-time deal, but uh, yeah, we're we're still in Porterdale for the time being.
2: Okay, uh, cool.
1: I guess anything could change, but that's where we're at now.
2: And uh Richard, where can we find your works online?
1: Uh, well, mainly on um, needless things obviously i I've, I've got a few things in works for um october um If you want to find my books, I write hard books uh, you can look up r t on Amazon but more importantly uh, I'd like to pimp out my email list so if you want to email me at richard at rocketmail dot com um, I'll subscribe you to my email list, and also um, if you send me your address, I'll send you a book for free right here
2: on Needless Things.
1: So That um, is awesome. I can only do like five of those, but you know
0: <laughs>
2: that's that's okay because that's like four help. that's yeah. like four more listeners than we have. So you're in good shape.
1: <laughs> I'll send you all one.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, just uh,
1: yeah, just email me and and look me up on Facebook and. You know, I think, I'm not even sure how you look me up on Facebook. Maybe Richard Yule.
2: Yeah, if you, if you put Richard Yule in, you come up first shot. Cool. And, uh, finally, Beth, what have you got planned for October?
3: Um, well, of course, I'm pretty much exclusively on Needless Things and I've got a lot of movie reviews and, uh, horror genre-esque things coming up pretty much every week in October because, like ministry says, every day is Halloween. It's just we only get to celebrate it in October. Um, but you can also find some of my older works at dorkdroppings.com, and there are some very weird drunken ramblings on there. My more coherent ramblings are on needless things site.com
2: yeah there's some great weird stream of consciousness stuff over on dork droppings (laughs)
3: we were drunk
2: that's what made me a fan i mean beyond (laughs) knowing you for like 20 years now anyway
3: i'm sorry should we get drunk more
2: yeah probably okay but i think that goes for everyone really Especially listeners, because then you're just going to enjoy the show so much more. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad we had this group for kicking off our October celebrations. I hope everybody has a great month, and everybody, get out and do something Halloweeny. Go to a haunted house, go to the Spirit Halloween store, I don't give a shit what. If you're sitting around and you're like, my October's not very spooky, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. Go to Kroger and buy some booberry. Just do something <laughs> spooky. And Join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group and tell us about it. Guys, thank you so much for coming on, and we will talk to you sooner than later. Thank you, Phantom.
3: Thanks. Thank you.
2: All right, you guys. Go watch those films. Seriously, it's October. You need to be Halloweening it up and... Man, I mean, you can't go wrong with that stuff we talked about. Okay, well, obviously there are a couple you could go wrong with, but you know, shocker, people under the stairs, any of the nightmare movies, even if they weren't directed by Craven, which obviously most of them were not. Uh, but there's so much good stuff in there that you really need to see. I, I dig. Well, we we all dig. Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. Maybe they're not quite as Halloweeny. It depends on what your take on Halloween is. But seriously make a point of watching at least one or two Wes Craven movies this month I guarantee they'll get you in the Halloween spirit I want to thank all the folks who came on the show I want to thank all the folks who are listening to the show please spread the word go rate us on iTunes and share find needless things stuff and share it everywhere that you internet we need it uh, I want to spread the word as much as possible not just for the sake of of needless things, but also for other stuff that I want to do. Uh, I, you know, I have, I have the day job that I have, and I'm probably always gonna have it, but the more stuff I can do outside of that, the more fulfilled that I am, and hey, you know, maybe one of these days I could bring in enough money to, to actually cover this and break even on all the nerd stuff that i do that'd be super right i'm looking at this patreon patreon thing i don't know i don't know about that i don't like asking people for money i'm not sure we'll see i gotta do i'm always looking for ways to break even or make merchandise and and that's all i want that's all i want so spread the word and come back next week for more halloween i love you guys